Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to JFOD News, the only place you should get your news. I'm just kidding. Could you imagine? All right, let's hang tight for a minute here. Wait for some folks to get into the chat. Um, yeah, I am streaming this on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, apparently, yesterday, YouTube was up to their dirty tricks where they did not uh, send out the notification to people that wanted to be notified about it. Um, YouTube is a garbage website. It is trash city. They are uh, censoring so much stuff. It's crazy. I had uh, a video of mine uh, flagged and taken down for uh, violating community guidelines because I told the truth. It was about um, how the CDC was lying about the efficacy of uh, natural immunity. Uh, they came out with this garbage study that immediately was debunked by a number of medical professionals and independent journalists. And all I did was compile all that information and present it. And they took that shit down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, today, I'm super excited to go over this article. Um, it's entitled public health or private wealth, how digital vaccine passports pave the way for unprecedented surveillance capitalism. Yeah, we're going to get into it. And it's by two brilliant journalists, uh, Max Blumenthal, who is the editor-in-chief of The Gray Zone and an author of a number of books, doing awesome work. The Gray Zone um, is an amazing publication, really doing the heavy lifting, telling the truth about what's going on in the uh in the in the country and a lot of great coverage of foreign policy uh awesome awesome news outlet definitely check that out at the grayzone.com that's gray g-r-a-y uh and jeremy lafredo has been doing amazing work as well he's a contributor to the gray zone and also a contributor to the defender which is robert f kennedy jr's publication a crucial publication so these guys are doing great work um, around vaccine mandates, around vaccine passports, and really just telling the truth. And they've both got a ton of integrity, and I'm excited to go through this article. Now, this article is long, y'all. This article is long. <laughs> so I do not know if we're going to make it through the entire piece today. This may be a two-parter. I'm going to see around the hour mark where we're at, and then we're going to go for that. And then we're going to go from there. But, uh, Let's uh, let's check the chat real quick. See what we got. All right. There's some folks here. All right. Chronological is back. All right. How's it going? Let's see. Hi, John. Been loving these videos of late. You're doing excellent work. Lots of new stuff. Even for those of us that follow this stuff closely. Nice work. All right. That means a lot. That's cool. Watched your slow Newsday interview last night. Awesome. Yeah. There's a great podcast called Slow Newsday, hosted by Steve Boykinen, that you got to check out. It's on Rockfin. It's called Slow Newsday. I was uh, lucky enough to be a guest on that recently, and we just had a great discussion for about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, cool. Oh, the day drinker's back. What's up? Hey, man, I can understand the compulsion to drink during the day in these crazy times with which we live, man. Uh Thanks for continuing to do these, John. Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. Uh, I want to contribute, and I feel like right now this is a way that I can. So uh, 
Let's get into it in a moment, but uh, just a couple things. We really cool. If you guys could uh, sign up for my newsletter, uh, join my newsletter uh, at jfodnews.com. And then also be cool if you could uh, follow me on Twitter at the real jfod. Uh, let me uh, pull that up properly. Boom. There we go. Um, so, yeah, if you guys could do those two things, that would be awesome. I'm going to be more consistent with my newsletter coming up uh, and I'm more active on Twitter. Uh, cool. Oh, nice. We got some more folks in here. Chuck Nasmith, Free Assange. I uh, yeah, I agree with that. Strong agree. Uh, man is a hero. It's an absolute travesty. What is happening? Uh, Badandi. Sup, J-Fod. Was an awesome show with Steve. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, guys, appreciate you guys being in the chat. Um, all right. Here we go. This is a deep dive, y'all. This is a real... Hey, Mia, Sarah. How are you? Thank you for your continued support. It's awesome. All right. So let's, uh, let's share this screen and let's do this thing. Here we go. Once again, we are doing the article that is entitled... Oh, first, there you go. Look at you got Davos up top with Bill Gates. Great picture here. Yeah, Davos. They're all about inclusiveness and everything like that. This is like a, a real pick of their stormtrooper, making sure nobody uh, that's not supposed to can get in. And then you got this mass murderer right here, this eugenics depopulation freak show, uh, Bill Gates. But anyway, I digress. Here we go. Public health or private wealth. How digital vaccine passports pave the way for unprecedented surveillance capitalism by Jeremy Lafredo and Max Blumenthal from the gray zone. All right. The titans of global capitalism are exploiting the COVID-19 crisis to institute social credit style digital ID systems across the West. Awesome. The death by starvation of Atwari Devi, a 67-year-old widow from the rural India state of uh, Jakarthand, might have passed without notice had it not been part of a more widespread trend. All right. This is going to be heavy, guys, but uh, it's important for us to know this stuff. Like 1.3 billion of her fellow Indians, Devi had been pushed to enroll in a biometric digital ID system called Adhair in order to access public services, including her monthly allotment of 25 kilograms of rice. When her fingerprint failed to register with the shoddy system, Devi was denied her food ration. Throughout the course of the following three months in 2017, she was repeatedly refused food until she succumbed to hunger alone in her home. Pramani Kumar, a 64-year-old woman also from a dark hand, met the same demise as Devi, dying of hunger and exhaustion the same year after the Adhar system transferred her pension payments to another person without her permission while cutting off her monthly food rations. This is technocracy, guys. This is technocracy. This is technology controlling every aspect of our lives. And guess what? Sometimes technology doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And sometimes technology, if it does work the way it's supposed to, uh, enslaves us. So all around, this is just a bad idea. A similarly cruel fate was reserved for Santoshi Kumari, an 11-year-old girl, also from Jaharkhand, who reportedly died begging for rice after her family's ration card was canceled because it had not been linked to their Adhar digital ID. Unbelievable. 
These three heart-rending casualties were among a spate of deaths in rural India in 2017, which came as a direct result of the Adhair digital ID system. Do you see how they test out these systems in the third world on the poor, how they do that, and then they eventually roll them up to us and how these people suffer and we don't even realize that that's happening? Unbelievable. With over 1 billion Indians in its database, Adhar is the largest biometric digital ID program ever constructed. 1 billion, you guys. Besides serving as a portal to government services, it tracks users' movements between cities, their employment status, and purchasing records. It is a de facto social credit system that serves as the key entry point for accessing services in India. Yeah, so if you need to get your basic services because you are completely disenfranchised and impoverished, you have to jump through all of these hoops. You have to be attached to this de facto so social credit system. It's unbelievable. Having branded Adhair's creator, fellow billionaire Nandan Nilakani as a hero, initiatives backed by tech oligarch Bill Gates have long sought to bring the Adhar approach to other countries. Yeah, this is a Bill Gates bullshit machine, digital ID control freak move, man. And guess what? Vaccine passports are the beginning. They're the onboarding of it. It starts with the paper, then it's the QR code, then it's the blockchain. But we will get into that. Oh, my gosh. With the onset of the COVID-19 crisis, Gates and other mavens of the digital ID industry have an unprecedented opportunity to introduce their programs into the wealthy um, countries of the global north. Yeah, unreal. Let's check the chat real quick, see what's going on. All right. All right, Chuck Nasbitt says, I do not have a cell. Cancel me. Yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. All right, here we go. For those yearning for an end to pandemic-related restrictions, credential programs certifying their vaccination against COVID-19 have been marketed as the key to reopening the economy and restoring their personal freedom. Okay. But the implementation of immunity passports is also accelerating the establishment of a global digital identity infrastructure. Yeah, this is freaking dangerous. As the military surveillance firm and NATO contractor Thales recently put it, vaccine, vaccine passports, quote, are a precursor to digital ID wallets, end quote. And as the CEO of iProve, a biometric ID company and homeland security contractor, emphasized to Forbes, the evolution, quote, the evolution of vaccine certificates will actually drive the whole field of digital ID in the future. So therefore, this is not just about COVID. This is about something even bigger. People are protesting this all over Europe like crazy. In America, there's protests against vaccine uh, mandates as well. There should be. But the vaccine passports. The vaccine passports, where they've been implemented, they were implemented in these blue cities very, very easily in New York and L.A. Um, uh, there needs to be an understanding of what this Trojan horse really is, man. Unbelievable. For the national security state, digital immunity passports promise unprecedented control over populations wherever such systems are implemented. And Kavorkian or Kavakian the former privacy commissioner of Ontario, Canada, has described the vaccine passport system already active in her providence as, quote, a new inescapable web of surveillance with geolocation data being tracked 
everywhere. This is crazy, man. For tech oligarchs such as Bill Gates and neoliberal institutions such as the World Economic Forum, digital ID and digital currency systems have already enabled the extraction of unbelievable profits in the global south, where hundreds of millions of people remain, quote, unbanked and therefore outside the sphere of electronic payments systems. Now, with grassroots protests building against an exclusionary regime of vaccine passports, the captains of global capitalism are campaigning with more urgency than ever to bring digital ID to the West. For these elite interests, the digitization of immunity passports represents a critical tool in a long-planned economic and political transformation. We cannot let this happen, y'all. We cannot let this happen. Chuck Nazmuth. Well, I have to get a cell soon for democracy by law. Uh, probably initially they're going to have you. You can print stuff. You can print out your QR code and have that with you. But eventually you're going to have to get a cell phone or else you're not going to be able to leave your block. Unbelievable. With no COVID pass, my wife and I are banished from society. Across the globe, the certification of vaccination against COVID-19 is already a requirement to participate in daily life. In Indonesia, COVID-19 vaccines are mandatory, and those who refuse may face fines or be refused access to public services. In Greece, residents must present immunity to work in or enter bars, theaters, and other indoor public spaces. France has similarly required residents to carry a health pass for access to all restaurants, bars, trains, and any venue accommodating more than 50 people, a decision that has stoked widespread protests throughout the country. The socialist French former president candidate Jean-Luc uh, Mélenchon has blasted the new restrictions as absurd, unfair, and authoritarian. Here we go. Let's see what's going on in this video. I believe this is... Um, French uh, police of some sort checking people's papers. No big deal. Show me your papers. I can't believe people are compliant with this and okay with this. What is going on? Do they not see this slide into totalitarianism? Holy moly. Let me know in the chat if you were able to hear that, by the way. Italy has mandated its green pass for all workers, threatening them with termination from jobs and suspension of pay. Italy also requires the pass to use Italian public transports, transit, scenes of private security over enforcement of the green pass and the exclusion of Italy's elderly from vital services have already begun to go viral on social media. Unreal. Look at this. Max Blumenthal, Italy's green pass in action. An old woman is turned away from medical exams at a hospital because she can't produce her mandatory health passport. These systems inherently discriminate against members of vulnerable groups and encourage private security overreach as seen here. Okay, let me... Let me share this real quick. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, I need to share it on a different screen. Hold 
Hold on. There we go. You can see she's obviously trying to get into the hospital and she's not allowed because she doesn't have her papers. This is crazy. Ecco, sentite, la signora che dovrà venire a fare degli esami non ha il Green Pass ed ora è costretta ad attendere qui fuori. Doesn't have her Green Pass. Turned away from the hospital. Unreal. Unreal, you guys. This is unbelievable. I mean, what? Where is the compassion? Where is the common sense? Where is just the uh, the sense of a shared sense of humanity? I can't believe it's going how how much of that has gone out the window. Let me bring back the article back up. I'm still not the best at navigating through um, the Streamyard backend thing, but um, there we go. Okay, back to the article. Okay. Restrictions for Lithuanians who are not double vaccinated or unable to demonstrate recent prior infection from COVID-19 represent some of the harshest in the world. They are banned from restaurants, all non-essential stores, shopping centers, beauty services, libraries, banks or insurance agencies, universities, inpatient medical care and train travel. Holy shit. Luboko Lituva, a self-described Lithuanian father who has refused vaccination, stated on Twitter, quote, with no COVID pass, my wife and I are banished from society. We have no income. Banned from most shopping can barely exist. Yeah. Life under EU's first strictly enforced COVID pass regime covering all of society. Lithuania, without a pass, you're banned from shopping, working, eating out. This is the future facing countries that impose a COVID pass. EU, US, UK, Australia, Canada. Is this what you want? Unreal. Just let's take a look at this. Yeah. As you can see, it's very much a uh, check your papers thing to go any place. And I mean, that's what it's like in New York right now. Unreal. Just look at this. While we're watching this, let's see what's going on in the chat. Never mind bars, clubs, and entertainment venues. What's going to become of grocery shopping? What the fuck? Charlie Brown's Rebellion says, this all flies in the face of the non-captured science behind all this bullshit, shaking my damn head. But dandy, I still can't wrap my head around how seemingly far gone most people are. The brainwashing is strong. The brainwashing is strong. Uh, this is the most coordinated, robust propaganda operation in the history of the world, world globally. Chuck Nasmus says the gray zone is truth. Yes, it is. Super important, critical news organization. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. Let's uh, let's keep going. Is this the world you want? Nope. 
Four out of 10 Canadian provinces currently require citizens to show proof of vaccination against COVID-19 to indoor to enter indoor public venues like restaurants and theaters. All federal public servants and some other workers must be vaccinated to keep their jobs. The government of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also requires all air travelers and inter uh, provincial train travelers to be vaccinated. Canada's Alberta province took the measures a step further this September when it announced that those who cannot prove full COVID vaccination will no longer be allowed to socialize indoors in groups of more than 12. This is crazy. And this article was written a month ago, guys. This article was written a month ago, and things are not going in the right direction. In Israel, meanwhile, only those who have received three doses can work or shop indoors and go to restaurants. Citizens who have received two shots over six months ago are now considered unvaccinated. This rule has consolidated what even the New York Times has deemed, quote, a two-tier system for the vaccinated and unvaccinated, raising legal, moral, and ethical questions, end quote. In the U.S., President Joe Biden is, quote, moving forward with vaccination requirements wherever he can. Biden, who declared that his patience is wearing thin with unvaccinated Americans, recently announced new federal requirements mandating that about 80 million Americans, including all those who work at companies with more than 100 employees, must either be vaccinated or get tested for COVID-19 weekly. Biden has also mandated that those working at facilities which receive Medicare or Medicaid must show proof of immunity to keep their jobs. According to AP, President Biden is considering proof of immunity for interstate travel, a restriction his former public health advisor, Ezekiel Emanuel, has clamored for. They are. Do you see the clampdown that's happening? This is unreal. In the state of Colorado, the UC Health Hospital System has announced that it will not allow organ transplants to be performed on unvaccinated patients, prompting some to travel to Texas for life-saving procedures. Okay? We should be upset about this. We should absolutely be upset about this. We should absolutely realize that we need to separate from this, that we need to create parallel structures. We need to create parallel institutions. We need to get together. We need to separate from this system. We're not going to be able to reform it. New York City offers a glimpse of the program in store for the rest of the country. The city's key to NYC requirement, which went into effect September 13th, requires proof of vaccination to work at or attend indoor dining, indoor fitness, and entertainment venues like museums, stadiums, arcades, and theaters. Ridiculous. There it is. The key to NYC unlocks. Ridiculous. If you want to participate, quote, if you want to participate in our society fully, you've got to get vaccinated, Mayor de Blasio stated. New York City is a miraculous place, literally full of wonders. If you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate. It's destroying New York. Unreal. Let's see what's going on in the chat. Let's see. Free Palestine. Yes, absolutely. Free Palestine. What do we got here? The United States has a pandemic. It does not offer free health care before, during, or after. Go shopping. <laughs> Chuck Nasmith, the riots may be all sides tired of it all. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, my gosh. We really need to spread the word about this stuff because if a critical mass of people realize what's going on, uh, we can and we can shake some people out of the mass psychosis. 
then some of the worst aspects of this can be abated. I truly believe that. I truly believe that this is also a very exciting time because they've really tipped their hand about what they're trying to do. And we have a real opportunity to create a different version of reality, a positive, interconnected version of reality, a spontaneous version of reality, one based on common decency and uh, communal respect for each other and joy and laughter and fun and creativity. How about that? And self-sufficiency. How about that? All right. COVID-related mandates could be permanent. While outlets like CNN have referenced, have referred to vaccine passports as, quote, a useful temporary measure, it is increasingly evident that the proof of immunity restrictions imposed on Western populations may not go away anytime soon. Australia's New South Wales Ministry of Health, Dr. Kerry Chant, has stated that citizens, quote, need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. It will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. Yeah, this is not going away, everybody. Albert Borla, CEO of the Pfizer Corporation that has seen its stock skyrocket during the pandemic, remarked that the, quote, most likely scenario is a coronavirus vaccine shots mandated on an annual basis. Uh, it's looking more like a biannual basis, a six month thing, because their efficacy starts to run out after two or three months. And by six months, you're considered not vaccinated anymore. So you have to get another experimental gene therapy thing injected into your body. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay, whatever. As a February Nature headline read, quote, the coronavirus is here to stay. Or as Dr. Mike Ryan, executive director of the World Health Organization's health emergency program put it, it is very, very unlikely that COVID-19 will ever go away. Yeah, well, not with that attitude. COVID-19, I'm not going to say it goes away, but it gets greatly, greatly reduced if you turn your fucking television off. Okay, here we go. Eradicating this virus right now from the world is a lot like trying to plan the construction of a stepping stone pathway to the moon. Who are these people, man? Said Michael Osterholm, an epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. It's unrealistic. So many of our institutions are captured by big pharma. It is unbelievable. It is crazy. Quote, this is our life from now on in waves, Israel's coronavirus czar Salman Zarka acknowledged. Already, Zarka has prepared plans to mandate a fourth dose for Israelis. Hey, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. These experimental things that weren't tested properly. Yeah. Or actually, the tests were the tests were fraudulently done. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. An experimental mRNA vaccine that uh, that evokes a spike protein in you. That is only for a uh, strain of the virus that is no longer around. So now when you get boosters, it's not even to protect you against the current current strain. Yeah, sure. Why not? And it's going to create. And then if you actually get the new strain because you've already been vaccinated against a different one, it can create uh, antibody dependent enhancement, which is really bad. It's basically your immune system attacking itself. Sure. And you've also got lipid nanoparticles with, with who knows where those are going. Uh, and you've also got these things being uh, injected directly into the bloodstream when it's supposed to be injected into the muscle and they're just flowing throughout the entire body. Yeah, get the fuck out of here with this shit. Oh yeah, but you know, I don't know anything about the science. Isn't that the worst when they say, well, you just don't trust the science and the people that say that don't even know anything about it at all. Unbelievable. Well, let's see what's going on in the chat. Cool. 
COVID won't go away. We just have to live with it like we live with the flu. Stop masking, lockdowns, mandates, social distancing. I agree. John, thank you so much for digging into all of this insanity. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, there's some catharsis in it for me, too. But guess what? I very much wish that I did not have to do this. COVID mandates to be digitally enforced. All right. While a state-mandated treadmill of boosters may seem unappealing to many, if not outright hellish, for others, the nightmare presents the opportunity of a lifetime. God, this is such a well-written article. As early as May 2020, only seven weeks after the pandemic was declared, U.S. tech billionaire Bill Gates predicted that, quote, eventually we will have some digital certificates to show who has recovered or been tested recently or when we have a vaccine, who has received it. Wow, what a great prediction, Bill. You're so smart, Bill, in your prediction. Now, over a year later, a growing number of local and national governments require some form of digital proof or vaccination or natural immunity against COVID-19. Those who want to travel to Canada, for example, are required to download an app that verifies the vaccination status of incoming travelers. The government also plans to introduce a federal Canada-wide digital vaccine passport in the coming months. When the European Union, EU, opened up to foreign tourists this summer and introduced a, quote, digital COVID certificate, which granted entry to those vaccinated against COVID-19, those who have had a negative test or those who recently recovered from an infection. Its proposed digital green certificate has been branded as a means to facilitate safe, free movement inside the EU during the pandemic. Now, do you guys realize why a lot of these are be calling, calling, being called green certificates or green pass? That's because they're going to roll in carbon into this whole scam. They're going to make it that you're going to only have a certain carbon allotment personally for your carbon footprint that you can use. And they're going to also be climate lockdowns too. There's going to be pandemic lockdowns and climate change lockdowns. And that's going to be the system of control. You're going to have to keep getting your green pass updated. And if you don't have enough money to uh, pay for more carbon credits, you're not going to be able to do stuff like, uh, like, like travel or whatever. It's un believable that this is what they're trying to do. This is technocracy, controlling every aspect of your life via technology. And I'll be goddamned if I'm going to bow down to the altar of carbon in the name of the fourth industrial revolution and the World Economic Forum and all of these freaks. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I digress. The government of France is partnering with a biometric technology company called Edemia or IDEMIA to, quote, make it easier for its citizens to provide to prove their identity and complete online transactions using a smartphone. The new app will, quote, enable French citizens to place their national electronic identification cards introduced to France as a COVID-19 response in August 2021 on the back of their smartphones and have their identity instantly confirmed. Idemia is also helping France certify travelers' immunity data with their health travel pass suite. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't sound too dystopian. The U.S. is still accepting paper vaccine uh, vaccination records, and President Biden has insisted no national app is in the works. However, seven U.S. states, California, New York, Louisiana, Colorado, Illinois, New Jersey, and Hawaii, have already implemented apps certifying vaccination against COVID-19 and have various degrees of COVID-19 COVID vaccine mandates in place. So yeah, he doesn't have to do it federally. He doesn't have to mandate the app federally. The states are going to implement it 
and then slowly phase out the paper ones. Immunoband, a wearable wristband whose company's mission is to quote, is quote, to bring the world a little closer in a time of the COVID-19 pandemic and for you to demonstrate to the world your vaccination status, demonstrate to the world what should be private medical information has also been approved by New York City as proof of vaccination. Immunoband. Immunoband. Hi, I have my Immunoband. <laughs> I'm a good, I'm a good uh, underling. I'm a good bootlicker of the state. I'll do whatever they want. I don't want to have any bodily autonomy and I want everyone to know it with my Uniband. <laughs> Share your vaccination status by wearing a Immunoband around your wrist. Cool. Yeah. Unfreaking real. Quote. In a typical American fashion, the U.S. government is relegating the creation of digital vaccination certificates to the private sector. Oh, state, the no, states stated the nonprofit data and society. Oh, the private sector. How great. Some public-private partnerships, guys, huh? That's what we call fascism. When private companies take over the levers of power of the state, that is known as corporatism, Mussolini's definition of corporatism and fascism. Awesome. That is what the World Economic Forum is all about. That is what the global governance crew is all about. Public-private partnerships for their stakeholder capitalism. <laughs> and all of the language of the woke and the progressives that they use to fleece us on this shit. Anyway, indeed, behind the push for digital vaccine passports is a coterie of supranational neoliberal institutions guided by oligarchic tech industry donors, elite corporate interests behind digital COVID passports. Let's check in with that chat real quick. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) The revolution will 23 says digress as the day is long. Thank you. Charlie Brown's rebellion says, fuck this NWO bullshit. Oh, then it just went, fuck this NWO bullshit. Critical thinking needs to reach a critical mass or global slavery is just around the corner. Dude, we're not going to let that shit happen. Cool, cool. Chronological says, I'm just going to head over to the Winchester, grab a couple of pints and wait for this all to blow over. All right. Let's see what we got here. Let's see. Elite corporate interests behind digital COVID passports. How much time are we at? All right. All right. We're doing good. Mega corporations, international finance institutions, and billionaire-backed private foundations have played a vital role in lobbying for and implementing digital immunity passports. The burgeoning global health passport system has been coordinated under the umbrella of the UN's World Health Organization. However, this institution is so intertwined with wealthy private interests, it can hardly be characterized as a public healthy health body. Yeah. As former... WHO director Margaret Chan told filmmaker Lillian Frank, quote, only 30 percent of my budget is predictable funds. The other 70 percent, I have to take a hat and go around the world to beg for money. And when they give us the money, it is highly linked to their preferences, what they like. Yeah, the World Health Organization is a captured agency. Chief among those private uh, funders is the second wealthiest man in the world, Bill Gates and his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which happens to be the second largest donor to the World Health Organization. Yeah. 
the U.S., us, we are the largest donor to it. So interestingly, when Trump pulled out of the uh, pulled his pulled money out of the World Health Organization and everybody was like, oh, Trump's sticking it to the globalists, man. He actually had the effect of making Bill Gates become the number one donor and giving him even more power while simultaneously uh, doing his Operation Warp Speed and just trying to get the vaccines going as fast as possible into as many people's arms as you could. And also Trump signed into law the CARES Act, which allowed for that crazy transfer of wealth of three point trillion dollars upwards to the one percent. So yeah. And now he's still standing behind these vaccines. So just saying. The Gates Foundation recently helped fund a World Health Organization paper providing. Oh, and yeah. And that's the head of that's uh, that's Tedros Adhanam, the head of the World Health Organization, who used to work uh, as a as a board member or something, worked for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or some other company or Gavi worked for Gavi, the, the, uh, the, some, whatever the vaccine Alliance, fucking other bullshit machine, global health, uh, outcomes that are negatively fucking effect. Oh, Bill Gates makes me so mad. I couldn't even form a sentence there. What I wanted to say is that all of Bill Gates's, uh, global health solutions have led to negative health outcomes, drastically negative health outcomes. A lot of his vaccination programs in the global South have vaccine injured and paralyzed hundreds of thousands of people. Hear that. Hundreds of thousands of people, children paralyzed by an an experimental oral polio vaccine that created strains of wild polio. And And this guy, I'm looking at this picture of him and I'm just so, so disgusted. What a nerd. All right. The Gates Foundation recently helped fund a World Health Organization paper providing, quote, implementation guidance for proof of vaccination certificates across the world. The authors crafted the paper alongside the Rockefeller Foundation and with guidance from several high-level representatives of the World Bank. Don't even get me started on the Rockefeller Foundation. Really, anytime I see Rockefeller Foundation, I have to plug two documentaries that everybody in the country should be mandatory, mandatorily should have to watch. They're by James Corbett. And one's called How Big Oil Conquered the World, and the other one's called Why Big Oil Conquered the World. So just look up James Corbett Report, Corbett Report uh, documentaries, uh, Corbett Report, How Big Oil Conquered the World, Corbett Report, Why Big Oil Conquered the World. Um, and you got to check those out. Um, okay. According to Foreign Affairs, few policy initiatives or normative standards set by the World Health Organization are announced before they have been casually, unofficially vetted by Gates Foundation staff. He's running the show, man. Or as other sources told Politico in 2017, Gates' priorities have become the World Health Organization's. Also at the forefront of the shift to digital credentials is the World Economic Forum. Quote, the forum is involved in the World Health Organization task force to reflect on those vaccine credential requirement standards and think about how they would be used, reads a May WF article. On paper, the World Health Organization, also known as the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation, is an NGO. It's actually an INGO, an international non-governmental organization and think tank committed to improving the state of the world. 
In reality, it is an international network of some of the wealthiest and most influential people on the planet. The forum positions itself as the thought leader of global capitalism, but it's stakeholder capitalism. So you have a stake in it too. So you're part of the team also. Yay. The organization is best known for its annual gathering of the global ruling class. Each year, hedge fund managers, bankers, CEOs, media representatives, and heads of state gather in Davos to, quote, shape global, regional, and industry agendas. As Foreign Affairs puts it, quote, the WEF has no formal authority, but has become the major forum for elites to discuss policy ideas and priorities. That's what the World Economic Forum does. It acts as a liaison. It, it sets up the soirees between the global leaders and the global corporations to get together to fuck over the people. But they do it because they care about saving the environment. And it's all our fault that the environment, because we're these dirty disease bags now, and we have to pr pr prove that we're not a biohazard in order to go into the grocery store. Yay! Unreal what they're trying to pull off here, and we're not going to let them. In 2017, German economist and WF founder Klaus Schwab, Klausi, introduced the concept of the Fourth Industrial Revolution with the title of the book he published that year. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, 4IR, denotes the current technological revolution that is changing the way people, quote, live, work, and relate to one another, and with implications unlike anything humankind has experienced, according to Schwab. For him, the 4IR is the, quote, merging of the physical, digital, and biological worlds. Schwab has even said that the 4IR will inevitably veer into transhumanism, or human genome editing, the merging of man and machine, y'all. Klaus Schwab, 2015. As you see, the difference of the fourth industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take genetic editing just as an example, it's you who are changed. Listen to him. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, uh, just as an example, it's you who are changed. Yeah, and of yeah. course, this has a big impact on your identity. Yeah. And offers certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, yeah. when you began to... <laughs> When you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worry that you are changing what it means to be human. That's the problem. And, yeah. uh, I, it, uh, of course, the new uh, Industrial Revolution offers us many opportunities, but it raises many fold questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology and how the ways it can be deployed, uh, you know, that contribute to growth rather than exacerbate unemployment. How will that implement itself? It's a big question mark because uh, there is a fear that uh, technology, robots, uh, just to take yeah. one yeah. You gain element. productivity from machines. Exactly. And it replaces maybe um, the workforce or jobs faster than we can replace them with the new jobs. Not everybody can be a robot polisher and so yes. on. So yes. there will be new jobs. <laughs> Not everybody can be a robot polisher. This guy.
This guy is the figurehead of an organization that is trying to implement a fourth industrial revolution and a technocratic, a techno-fascist society. Uh, I can think of so many people I would rather listen to and pay attention to and follow than these freaks. Unbelievable. In January 2021, several WEF partners, including Microsoft, Oracle, Salesforce, and several other, quote, heavyweights, announced a partnership to launch the Vaccine Credential Initiative, VCI, to develop digital immunization authentication tools, according to Forbes, aiming to institute a single smart health card for the world. The VCI intends for its smart health cards cards to be recognized, quote, across organizational and jurisdictional boundaries. In the U.S., some states are already deploying the smart, smart health cards developed by the VCI. Holy shit. These smart health cards have laid the basis for a de facto national standard for vaccine credentials. If enough, quote, if enough states embrace the technology, it could become a de facto nationwide standard and relieve the Biden administration of having to lay out federal requirements for domestic purposes, Politico noted. That's how they get around it. Let's say it's unconstitutional at the federal level, but somehow the governors have the right to do it at the states. And then but then they all pass the same one. Oh, this is ridiculous. The Commons Project Foundation. Smart health cards have emerged as a de facto national standard for vaccine credentials. J.P. Pollock, co-founder of Commons Project, predicts these credentials will be available to 100 million plus Americans within a month. Oh, and that was from I was August and that was back in August of August 9th, 2021 is when that tweet came out. The latest version of Apple's iOS, iOS 15, even includes smart health card support. As of today, those who received a vaccine in California, Hawaii, Louisiana, New York, Virginia, or certain counties in Maryland can obtain a smart health card from the state. In most other states, a smart health card is available to those who were vaccinated at one or more than 17,100 CVS, Walgreens, or Rite Aid uh, pharmacy chains worldwide. More states, quote, more states, pharmacies, and health systems will begin issuing smart health cards very soon, promises the site of the Commons Project, one of the founders of the VCI initiative. Commons Project CEO Paul Meyer happens to be a World Economic Forum young leader. Oh, He's one of the young global leaders. I just covered a whole article about the young global leaders from Swiss research policy um, or Swiss policy research uh, recently. You can check that out on YouTube while I'm still on YouTube. Uh, It was called Who Are the Young World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders? It's unbelievable, man. When you start to see how many people who are in power all went through the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders system. Uh, it's totally shows how centralized power, how coordinated agenda can happen on a global scale. It just shows it. People have to just connect one dot, but they're not willing to do it. Unreal. There he is. Hey buddy. Hope you feel good about yourself contributing to a totalitarian techno fascist, uh, enslavement of, uh, of the globe, dude. Cool. Hope it's worth it, bro. Unreal. Let's see what we got in the chat. Chronological. I knew there was some reason I've been resisting iOS 15. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the revolution. Freaking robot polisher. 
Unbelievable. Oh, man. Here we go. In India, tech oligarchs use digital ID to force social credit on rural poor, spawning exclusion and even death. In 2015, the Gates Foundation provided seed money to a Yale School of Public Health project that would become known as Cushy Baby. Now a nonprofit, Cushy Baby makes microtrip equipped necklaces for a child to wear at all times to track their vaccination status and establish continuous monitoring for their first immunizations through adulthood. The nonprofit says it is now using data from over 35,000 villages in India to create algorithms that, quote, predict health outcomes for mothers and children. Unreal. It's a bunch of biometric stuff. There's a picture of it. In 2016, Idemia, the security firm now working with the French government on vaccination and identity verification, designed the microchip-equipped necklaces. The necklaces have been used to track health data for 13 million people in India since the beginning of the pandemic. These programs have been marketed by corporate consultants as essential tools for improving equality and inclusion. Inclusion. Anytime you hear the word inclusion, run. Run away. It is being used to manipulate you in the global south. Quote, digital identification is key to inclusive growth. Inclusive growth. You must grow with us, claimed McKinsey, the global consulting firm in 2019. What the fuck does that even mean, man? Quote, something like one billion people could be more financially included and participative, said Michael Kubzanski. Just leave people alone. Let people live their lives. Let people have access to their own natural resources, you monsters. Said manage said Mike Kubzanski, managing partner of eBay founder and media mogul Pierre Omidyar. Oh my God, Pierre Omidyar's Omidyar Network during a World Economic Forum panel exploring how digital identification provides a significant opportunity for value creation. This fucking word salad these people saying Pierre Omidyar. How does he fly under the radar? He's the eBay founder and he's a media mogul. He runs the Intercept, so that's a compromised uh, outlet that's supposed to be, you know anti-establishment and taking on the national surveillance states and the technocrats. Well, meanwhile, it's owned by a fucking technocrat. And Naomi Klein is a limited hangout, but that's a whole other story I'll tell you about another time. And Pierre Omidyar, he owns a lot of the fact-checking websites. Yeah. So basically, if you you know, let's say a, a person sees something and they don't want to believe it, so they start having cognitive dissonance, but the, the mainstream corporate narrative doesn't want people to know about this information, which is true. There'll be a fact check that manipulatively says that it's false, even though it really is true. And he owns the websites like PolitiFact that do that. Way to go, bro. He is a fucking psyop machine. Anyway, like Gates, Omidyar is heavily invested in the advancement of digital ID and currency systems through his Omidyar network, which collaborates with the World Economic Forum on the Good ID Initiative. All right. Why can't these people just leave us alone? Why don't they just live their lives how they want to just, why do they such control freaks? Like I want nothing to do with them. I don't, I don't want their money. I don't even, you know what? How about this? I don't even give a fuck if they're taxed. I don't want one of their freaking dollars. Go ahead. Yeah. Pay your fair share. Don't pay your fair share. Dodge your taxes. Do this. Just stop. Just fucking stop. We'll set up our own shit. You fuckers. All right. Here's another tweet. 
COVID ID. Hashtag COVID is moving us increasingly towards a cashless society, meaning unbanked people who lack formal identification will be included. You manipulative fuck. You manipulative fuck. Because you are moving us towards a cashless society. Because you are you are helping to implement FedCoin, CBDC, central bank digital currencies. This is not your granddaddy's debit card swiping. This is programmable money. Because you're doing that. You're doing that. And you're and you're using that as a manipulative way to onboard these people with the digital ID so you can control them and then you can make turn them into markets and make money off of them and 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 extract value from them. You sick, twisted fucks. Hashtag COVID is moving us increasingly towards a cashless society, meaning unbanked people who lack formal identification will be excluded. Could digital identity be the solution? Ugh. A closer look at the push for inclusion by corporate behemoths reveals their altruistic language is little more than public relations cover for raw profit motives, resulting in marginalization and even death for many of those roped into their digital ID systems. Well put. Besides serving as the staging ground for the Kushi baby venture, India has become a laboratory for digital tracking and identity systems. With support from Western capital outfits like the Gates Foundation and the World Bank, the country has become the site of the world's largest digital ID database known as Edhair. The Edhair system is named for a 12-digit number that serves as a proof of identity and address, among other markers, anywhere in India. To date, a whopping 1.3 billion Indians have been enrolled in the system, making it the largest biometric ID database ever constructed. It contains iris scans and fingerprints from both hands of each user. The technology for the system was provided by none other than the French security firm Idemia. Yes, and if you think this stuff is not coming our way at some point, you are beyond naive. Here we go. There's Nandan Nilakani creator of the odd hair digital system with Bill Gates. That's the, uh, they call him the, uh, the Indian Bill Gates. Way to go, bro. So proud of you. Ad hair was implemented in 2014, the year that the first free marketeering tech centric Narendra Modi entered the prime minister's office. Its creator tech billionaire Nandan Nilakani has been branded the Bill Gates of Bangalore, celebrated by globalization enthusiasts like Thomas Friedman and hailed by none other than Gates as an altruistic hero. Gates Foundation has collaborated with Nilakani through its co-impact project alongside billionaire eBay, eBay co-founder Jeffrey Skoll's Skoll Foundation. Adhair is a huge asset for India. Effused Gates in a 2019 interview with the Indian Network Times Now. The fact, quote, the fact that you can make digital payments and open a bank account so easily, India is a leader in that. There are huge benefits in being able to get digital government money to the beneficiary. Digital government money. He fucking tipped his hand. He can't help himself. He fucking tipped his cards. Digital government money. Okay. Central bank issued digital money on the blockchain, which is programmable, okay? Meaning you can only do certain things with it. You can only spend it within five miles of where you live because of carbon. You can only spend it at certain restaurants if you have a high enough social credit score. Unbelievable. But behind the neoliberal spin, Nilakani's Adher digital ID system has wreaked havoc on the lives of India's most vulnerable and stigmatized populations. 
In the eastern India state of Jharkhand, a wave of deaths took place in 2017 when impoverished citizens were cut off from government-subsidized food rations by the Adhar system. In several cases, aging widows were denied rice for several months because the system rejected their fingerprint scans. Let's see what we got here. This is An 11-year-old be... girl in Jharkhand, Simdega district, died of starvation last fortnight, months after a family's ration. Holy shit. She says that pretty matter-of-factly, doesn't she? Oh, my gosh. This is going to be uh, this is going to be heavy, but we're doing it. We need to know. An 11-year-old girl in Jharkhand, Simdega district, died of starvation last fortnight, months after a family's ration card was cancelled because it wasn't linked to their Aadhaar number. Santoshi Kumari, who came from a poor family which was eligible for subsidized rations under the National Food Security Act. However, according to an independent fact-finding report, the local ration leader refused to give the family their ration for the past six months on the ground that their ration card had not been linked or seeded, as it's known in official language, to their Aadhaar number. The young girl uh, used to get, be fed uh, when she visited school for, under the midday meal scheme. However, due to the holidays, she hadn't been to school over the last couple of days and now mother too has been hospitalized unreal unreal so if it doesn't work they have no recourse uh and then they just starve to death great around the same time Three brothers died of starvation after they failed to properly register with Adhair and were subsequently denied rations for six months. The same cruel fate was visited on the Kamari family, which was unable to obtain an electronic Adhair ID, lost its ration card, and saw its 11-year-old daughter, Santoshi, die of hunger. Quote, many people in Jaharkand have been victims of similar deprivation of food entitlements during the last few months, reports India's scroll. The uh, main reason is that Adhar-based biometric authentication is now compulsory in about 80% of ration shops in the state. According to Skoll, a random sample of 18 villages where biometric authentication was compulsory found that a staggering 37% of cardholders were unable to buy their food rations. Besides making Adhair the key to obtaining government services, the Modi government has integrated data collected by Adhair to establish a, quote, 360-degree database that, quote, automatically tracks when a citizen moves between cities, changes jobs, or buys a new property, according to the Huffington Post. When COVID-19 first reached India in early 2020, Nilakani proposed employing Adhair as the basis for an anti-COVID vaccination and tracking program. Quote, we must ensure that everybody gets a digital certificate with the date of vaccination, name of the vaccine, and through which vendor and at what location, he declared in 2020. Unsurprisingly, Nilakani's system of mass surveillance has proved much more effective at harvesting data than it has at protecting it. In 2018, the Indian Tribune newspaper was able to purchase the personal identification of nearly every Aadhaar user through anonymous sellers over WhatsApp. The process took only 10 minutes and cost about six U.S. dollars, the paper reported. Holy shit. This quote, the Tribune purchased a service being offered by anonymous sellers over WhatsApp, WhatsApp that provided unrestricted access to details for any one of more than one billion Aadhaar numbers created in India thus far. Holy shit. All right. Let's see what's going on in the chat. 
song everybody wants to rule the world yeah they really do it's crazy the system's serial breaches of privacy even prompted some hiv positive indians to drop out of anti-retroviral treatment programs that required the adhar card Ugh. though the adhar is said to be voluntary individuals with hiv have complained to indian media that they were pressured into enrolling into the ID program and have been treated with the loss of medical services. U.S. privacy advocates have pointed to digital national identity programs like ADHAR as gargantuan surveillance tools that establish the basis for a social credit system. Addressing the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services in July 2021, Elizabeth Renieris of Notre Dame's Technology Ethics Lab warned the ADHAR number in India is able to track your activity across all facets of your life, from employment to healthcare to school to pretty much everything you do. You can't retain autonomy over specific domains of your life. You can't separate your personal and professional reputation. You can't have this kind of contextualized personal identity. I think that's really problematic. Uh, yeah, strong agree. Quote, we must avoid building digital identity systems and infrastructure in a way that further expands and entrenches the surveillance state as does the national identity system in India, Renieras continued. Yeah, yeah, agree. But it is the all-encompassing social credit aspect of Adhar that has made Gates so fond of the system. Addressing India's top policymakers in 2016, the world's second wealthiest man declared, quote, over time, all of these transactions create a footprint. And so when you go in for credit, the ability to access the, access the history that you've paid your utility bills on time, that you've saved up money for your children's education, all of those things in your digital trail accessed in an appropriate way, allow the credit market to score the risk properly. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Um, yeah. So then the next section of this article is entitled ID4D expands digital ID to track more human activity than ever. And that's what we're going to get into uh, on the next stream. We're going to do that on Monday um, because look at how much of this article is still left. Quite a bit, quite a bit. And it's really important stuff to know. So we're going to do this in two parts. We're kind of, we're, uh, we're at like an hour mark right now. So I think that that's a good place to uh, to end for for today. Um, wow, this article is so eye opening. It's it's potentially it's freaking scary. But guess what? If more people know about this, we can stop them from doing it because there's a lot of people who are uh, being are are complicit in uh, are, are I don't know if complicit is the right word, but they are contributing to this system and working jobs that are contributing to this infrastructure, this digital uh, enslavement infrastructure, because they don't even know what's going on. So the more people's minds we can open about this, the better chance we have of stopping it. Um, so let's see what else is in the chat. Poor Indian people. Kidneys are removed sometimes without their knowledge. Yes, I've heard that. Very sad. Shayar. Uh, Mia Sarah says, buildings in my now have rating. Buildings in my now have rating numbers. Oh, buildings in NYC now have rating numbers. Unbelievable. I can't believe how compliant people are in New York City. It's so weird. Um, but anyway, guys, uh, please uh, uh, support the Gray Zone. Thegrayzone.com. Uh, spread their spread, share their work. Read their articles. A great number of independent journalists working there. And this piece is by Max Blumenthal, 
and Jeremy Lafredo. Uh, Jeremy Lafredo, look him up. Um, I'll uh, I'll put uh, I'll put a link to the full article in the chat and everything like that. And we'll do part two of this same article on Monday. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, have a great uh, have a great uh, day and have enjoy the rest of it. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye.